Chuck is going to lead us in our scripture reading today, and as he's coming forward, if you brought your Bible with you, or if you want to grab a pew Bible, you can open to Matthew chapter 5, starting at verse 33, and then also Ephesians chapter 4, verse 11. Thanks be to God. Thanks, Chuck. I give credit to Chuck. He uh, signed up to be a scripture reader, and I forgot to send him the reading ahead of time. So he just, you know, went up and he got it. He did it. Didn't he do a great job, too? <laughs> just, uh, yeah, we can, yeah, we can give him a round of applause for sure. It's just a quick word, if you sign up to be a scripture reader and you don't get that reading from me by Wednesday, then you know, feel free to bug me about it because it's all set on Tuesday already for the whole week in terms of what we're going to share together. So. Uh, so we've been talking for a while about experiencing overwhelm and, and how common overwhelm is for probably most of us here or watching online or, or if you're not personally overwhelmed... Uh, with what you're doing activity-wise, maybe you're overwhelmed by what you're seeing in the world, or perhaps you probably know somebody who's overwhelmed. I mean, most of us know someone personally who would be overwhelmed. And today, we're going to talk about saying no. And, and to begin, I'd like to ask you, uh, when was the last time that you had to say no to something? Somebody asked you to help or to try something? Maybe asked you for money, and you had to say no. What was that experience like for you? Maybe it was when I sent you a text or something. 
<laughs> or asked you, you know, what, what was that like for you? We're not, I'm not going to call on anybody to share, but just say, how did you handle it? What was your approach? There's some common approaches of avoiding it. Just pretend it's not happening. Or say yes to our own peril. Right? I, and then go home and say, ah, how did I sign up for that? I didn't want to do that. <laughs> uh, or to, what's another one? I don't know. Say no, but add in a lot of extra words and commentary. You know, There's, there's a lot of different uh, examples of this. I'd just like you to keep thinking about that a little bit as you're listening to what I have to share. I'll give you one of the most recent examples of a journey that I've been on of learning how to say no and what is involved in order to say no with clarity what needs to happen before that. So most of you know that I've started subbing. Last year I started subbing at the school and, and it's been uh, really a life-giving thing for me. But last year I quickly realized that the need is so great for subs. There is such a shortage of subs right now that I could literally sub probably three days a week and sometimes every day if I was willing to. There's just so much need for that. So I've had to learn some personal rules for what works for me and what doesn't work for me. And some of that's come from trial and error. So last year I started, uh, I subbed on a Wednesday and then went to Wednesday night. <laughs> I thought, that is not going to work for me anymore. That is the last time I do that. And so this year I said up front, I told uh, the people who coordinate the subs, I said, I will sub on Fridays and that's it. That's really the only day that can work for me. Or next week, I said Wednesday because it's a short week and we don't have Wednesday night. So I told them that I'll say yes when you ask me on these times and in this way. And I'm still refining that, that, uh, those parameters for saying yes. But what I want to share with you is that it's been a journey to get to that point. And I'm still refining this. To, to move forward in subbing in the first place, to take that step, which was pretty new. I actually don't know any other pastors who are doing that kind of thing, and I'm just saying it's a new kind of experience. That was a journey for me in the first place. I had to identify what was most important to me, not just as a pastor, but as a person. I had to identify what was life-giving to me and what was not life-giving. And it's really sometimes kind of a painful process. Or What's meeting my values and what's not meeting my values? And where is my time going in all of this? And so subbing came through, the opportunity to sub came through me valuing community and saying this is one of the, the best ways that I could invest in the community and hopefully be an example and to give back to the most important area in our whole community by investing in the schools. And, and on a deeper level even, I said I want to build into relationships. That's what I value. And I want to build trust in that kind of uh, compassionate posture as a pastor and as a member of this community. And so I discovered those values through discernment and self-awareness through a journey in, in those things. Discernment and self-awareness using tools like what I've shared with you. Uh, the Moscow abbreviation, not pro-Russia, just must, should, could, won't. And then rule of life. And then I've got another one here that I'm going to tell you about in a little bit. But I use these different tools uh, with the guidance of a coach and a counselor, and a spiritual director, and other colleagues, and lots of journaling and prayer to really 
sort through what are my values? How am I living? How do I want to show up to these spaces in my life? How do I want to live the rest of my life as a 42-year-old man, which has started probably five years ago? How do I want to live the rest of my life? And nobody else could do that work for me, but me, right? And to be as open as I could through, uh, to the Holy Spirit. Letting the Holy Spirit kind of grant me uh, wisdom in that journey. And then it's trial and error, right? Like the Wednesday night thing. Well, I can't, I can't do that. And there's even certain classrooms that I'm like, I'm not sure I'm equipped for that. It's, it's a lot <laughs> for me. Brenda's laughing. You know what I'm talking about, Brenda. <laughs> no, you're, you're, I don't think any of you are subs. If Lisa were here, she could relate to that because Lisa, one of our pianists, is a sub. Did you know that? She also subs in the schools. You may not be a sub. You may not have any interest in subbing, and that's okay. But I know that most of you get asked to do a lot of things or to help out in a lot of different areas, or you get asked by your friends or your family to maybe, I don't know, think of a random example, move a shed, you know? <laughs> Todd asked them. Todd asked for help moving a shed. Were you on your phone, Todd, or were you paying attention? Because I thought you were going to laugh. <laughs> okay. <laughs> we'll see if he says yes to doing the booth anymore, right? <laughs> After that. You guys, you get asked to, to do a lot of different things. Serving here, you know, being in different leadership roles. You get asked to give financially. Uh, maybe coaching youth. I know some of you get asked to coach youth because that's another area where there's, there's a real lack of people who are willing to step up. I know Boy Scouts uh, used to meet here and now they don't anymore because there weren't enough leaders. So now they merged with Mankato. Couldn't get enough parents to say yes to, to leading. Uh, lots of different areas. Family requests, like I said. I mean, there's no shortage of need. And that likely is not going to change. And that's part of you know, what it means to live in, in relationship with others, to live in community. But what's troubling is that there's a growing, see if you agree with this, there's a growing commitment crisis where people are afraid to commit. They're afraid to say yes. They don't want to say yes. They don't want to give long-term like many of our predecessors in the faith were so willing to say yes to things even begrudgingly, and sometimes that's a negative thing of saying, I've served in this position, right, Wendy, for like 10 years. <laughs> I'm saying yes almost to a fault. But we in our society today, because of a lot of different factors and forces, most potently individualism, of saying what's most valued in life is what's best for me, not what's best for we, or even our community, even in a small community, What's valued in our society today is what's best for me and how can I live that out? What's the best me that I can bring to the table? And there's a lot of good in that. But there is, as a consequence, a commitment crisis. And nonprofits, especially, are feeling the weight of that. They can't get people to commit in the ways that they used to. So churches are obvious. I mean, Getting people to commit just in being here is a challenge. But then to, to get people to, to serve in roles that require years and years of commitment and faithfulness and attention and willingness to learn and grow and be challenged and work together is really, I mean, it, it's concerning. 
where we're getting to. But churches are not the only ones. As I mentioned, Boy Scouts, uh, Larry Norman told me about how Masons were kind of going through the same thing. There's less and less, and then they have to merge with other communities. Uh, School bus drivers, even though they get paid, there are less and less, and so they're having to make hard choices about can we even offer field trips? You know, maybe you've heard some of that already. Substitute teachers, as I mentioned, uh, PTO, all sorts of things. There's a commitment crisis where people don't want to give their best. They don't want to say yes. And there's a lot of reasons for that. There is a lot of fear and uncertainty in our time. Well, gosh, what's, what's next week even going to be like? <laughs> Especially with kids, you know, are the kids going to be sick? And there, there's a lot of validity in this. So please hear me that I have compassion for the commitment crisis. <laughs> I get it. I, I'm there with you. There's a lot of fear and uncertainty about what's coming around the corner and, and what is this going to mean to me if I say yes to this. So we're trying to navigate this commitment crisis, but what, what is stunning to me, what's stunning to me is that though people are, are committing to less things and are less willing to give in the ways that we have in the past, people are still feeling incredibly overwhelmed. Which doesn't quite add up, does it? If we can do whatever we want and choose the way that we want to live our life, but still we're feeling overwhelmed, what gives there? That seems kind of odd. So I wonder if maybe people are saying yes to the wrong things and not really knowing, you know, not like choosing. I'm not saying we're all just sinning on purpose or something, but maybe we're saying yes to the wrong things and no to the right things, to the things that actually add purpose and meaning. And so as Christians especially, I think we have a responsibility to sort out what to say yes to and what to say no to. And as we discern in that journey, hopefully I'm a good example for you now, as we discern in that journey what to say yes to and what to say no to, we can start to move out of overwhelm, empowered by the Holy Spirit. And so we have different ways that we can sort through and clarify what first, what do we want to say yes to? So that when opportunities come, we can weigh, okay, here's the body of evidence, the work that I've been doing personally to say, this is what I'll say yes to, this is what I'll say no to, this is what I'm going to have to think about a little bit. So these are some of the tools that we've been talking about, about using. And we ask the questions like, what lines up with your giftedness? I'm probably not going to ask Doug to do the same things as I would ask Jay or Ashley. You know, you're different people. You come from different backgrounds. What is your giftedness? What are your skills? What do you have to offer? Some people love mowing the lawn because it's just something that's life-giving to them and it feels purposeful and it's relaxing. It's a way to get away from the noise of the home. Others would say that feels like a total waste of my time, right? Right? <laughs> So you need to sort through that so that you can say yes and also say no. What excites you? What energizes you? What feels, what feels neutral? What maybe feels like calling to you or like an opportunity to step out? And then lastly, to say what drains or overwhelms you? And I'll share just a, a little example quick of when I was first getting in, involved in the church uh, back in Lake City and I was, I was really new. So I had done some small groups and whatever. The pastor who was meeting with me weekly for a time and discipling me and mentoring me, he asked me to be involved in vacation Bible school and wear this 
really dumb dog costume. I was like, are you? He's like, I need somebody to wear this dog costume. And it, that is not me, okay? That's not me still, and that was not me uh, 12 years ago or whenever it was. And I just kind of sighed and said, well, I guess if you can't find anybody else, right? Have you said that? <laughs> I said yes, and you know what? I did not enjoy it. It was not a good time. But this is what the Holy Spirit did as I was in that space. As I saw what was involved in putting on Vacation Bible School, I had never seen that part of the church. You know, I was brand new in the church. I saw, wow, all these kids from the community are coming in and all these people have to say yes to volunteer and help in this space. And I, I said no to VBS the next year. I don't know. I think he realized the dog thing was kind of weird. You know, he didn't ask me to do that again. But I said no to the Vacation Bible School the next year, but eventually I said yes to the Wednesday night program where I was still working with kids, but they were troubled kids. They came from really rough backgrounds, like their kids were, their, the kids' parents were addicted to drugs and alcohol and really were absent in a parenting sense. And so it was really challenging, but it kind of got me amped up, you know, like, okay, I can try and sort through some of this stuff. So at the time, that felt neutral to me, or maybe even a little bit negative, but it opened the door to possibility, and I would say was the first step wearing that stupid old, excuse my frankness, but that stupid old dog costume was the first step, perhaps, in discovering this calling that I'm living out right now. You see, so we have to be really clear. We have to think about these questions, and that's where these tools come in. What, what are the things that I must do that I should do, that I could do, well, we'll see. What are the things I won't do? I, I absolutely won't do that. And the rule of life is saying, who, who, try to, to envision, who is the kind of person that I want to be? What sorts of values do I want to embody? You know, who do I want to become? And we're, we're assuming that we're walking with Jesus in this journey, right? And then saying, what sorts of actions what sorts of habits do i need to commit to to become that person so if i want to grow in faith well then there are certain things that will help me to do that and then i can be honest with myself about am i committed to that or not and then this last one this is this is brand new today this comes from dan sullivan a uh, strategic coach a coach for entrepreneurs and this was shared with me at the very beginning of the pandemic when everything was so uncertain and scary Right, of what's going to happen and how is this going to look. Uh, Dan Sullivan came up with this tool, this coaching tool for times of uncertainty called Cash with a K. I think about this probably every week in the last couple of years. Cash with a K. The K stands for knowledge. A is for attitudes. S is for skills. H is for habits. And so times, during times of uncertainty, you, you uh, grow in this cash, this kind of cash, by investing in yourself. Because there's lots of things that you can't control or whatever, right? But you can grow in knowledge, attitudes, skills, and habits. And I would say that this is, a, this is exactly what being a Christian should be. Always. This is discipleship. We're growing in knowledge of who God is. We're allowing the Holy Spirit to change our attitudes. We're gaining skills by trying things, saying yes to things, doing things for the community and within the church. And we're learning habits that help shape us in our faith. These are the tools that can help us in this journey of self-awareness. 
Now, to be clear, then we can say, uh, what, what are we going to say yes to? And what are we going to say no to? And the whole point that I'm trying to make with you today is that we can be clear about saying no. We can be clear. Think back to the last time that you said no. How clear were you about it? How clear were you? Did you just say, no thank you? Did you come up with something? <laughs> you know? If you're part of a team, you can share what you're willing to say yes to and what you're passionate about. And then you can let go of the things that you won't do. My coach said, someone's won't. Someone identifies, I won't do that. So maybe it's, I won't work with the Roombas. You know, the, the little robot vacuums. Someone's won't is someone else's must. That gets them excited. So we have to believe that. We have to be clear. Be clear in saying no. Just be clear. Just be honest. Don't avoid it. Don't come up with extra reasons. Just say the truth. How many of you have heard of Brene Brown? Yeah? Laura? All right, Laura. Brene Brown is a Christian author who's like uh, the, the main person for shame and guilt, and she does a lot of this kind of work of meaning and purpose and connection and vulnerability. And she says, I, I think about this all the time. Gina and I talk about it all the time, especially in hard situations with like family or something. We say, Brene Brown says, clear is kind. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. It's unkind to, to, be clear, to be unclear about just saying no. So not saying no, this is what I've noticed. See if you believe this to be true. Not saying no clearly creates or leaves tension in a relationship. If I ask you for something and you just ignore me, that leaves tension in that relationship or in the church or a team or the workplace. Kyle, we did this on Wednesday night. Could you come up here for a second? I've refined this a little bit. This will help wake you up a little bit. Okay, Kyle, I'm going to ask you to help with something, okay? And first, I would like you, well, you know what to do. You remember from, you know, remember what to do? Just turn and walk away. Yeah. Okay. Kyle, I really need someone for the sound booth. No, actually, I don't like that example. Kyle, I really, <laughs> I really need, so, I'm really hoping that you would be a part of this small group. I think it'd be really life-giving for you. It'd be powerful. You'd love it so much. Hey, for real? <laughs> Are you kidding me? <laughs> Where would Kyle and I stand after that? If he did that, like in the narthex or whatever. Where would we stand? What, what do you think I would be left with? What kinds of... I'd be really confused about where I stand with Kyle. I'd say, well, what, did I say it the wrong way? You know, was it something I did before that? Uh, are we still friends? I, you know, does he even still want to go to the church? Whatever. Now, this is silly. We would never do that. But if we do that via text, isn't that kind of the same thing? To, you know, normally if it's something that fits your needs or whatever that excites you, you reply right away. But when it's something that you're maybe a little bit nervous about or you don't know how to be clear about, you just don't reply. Isn't that kind of the same? You know, I don't know. You tell me. Clear is kind. Unclear is unkind. So now we have awkwardness in our relationship. And that happens. You know it happens. Now, Kyle, let's try this again. Just say, no, thank you. 
Kyle, would you like to be a part of this uh, men's small group that I'm going to start on Thursday nights? Would you like to be a part of that? I think it would be really awesome. Okay, yeah, well, you know, I'm disappointed, but, um, you know, I understand. I understand where you're coming from. Thanks, man. Yeah. yeah. Maybe next hey. year. <laughs> Maybe next year. See? You know, and then he tells me then what his, some of his obstacles are. Thanks. You know, that's, that's the thing. So if we, if we say no clearly, we actually have an opportunity to build that relationship rather than to have awkwardness left within it. And that's why I'm talking about this with overwhelm is because really any time that we don't say no clearly, we think that we're just avoiding something that's going to cause us stress, but we're really adding emotional stress by having awkwardness in our relationships because relationships are what give us strength and help us to feel at peace, like meaningful relationships where we feel like we can be ourselves within there. So saying no is hard, but it actually demonstrates a ton of respect and courage, and you can grow in, tr- in trust within that relationship. So all you have to say is, thank you for asking me. That means a lot. Unfortunately, it doesn't work for me. I, as your pastor, I accept that totally. I, I always respect if you say no. What makes me feel disrespected is a no reply. It's like... I, I didn't plan on saying that, but just be honest, you know? And that's true with all relationships. You know, and, and all, like, I've, I am fine with people saying no. That doesn't hurt my feelings. But I don't like that, uh, not, not replying. Kyle just walks away from me. I thought we were closer than that, Kyle. <laughs> I thought that you could be honest with me and that I, you would give me a chance to, to love you in, in return in that space. I really thought that. So at the very least will grow in our self-confidence, in our self-respect, in our courage to speak the truth. We grow every time that we say no. We grow. We grow in resilience. And we actually show respect to the other person. And that's, it's taken a long time to get here. This is important, okay? This is important in our lives today. That's what our two Scripture passages encourage us to do. This is being a Christian. This is following Christ. And learning how to be honest, to say no. Jesus says, let your word be yes, yes, or no, no. Don't, don't add anything else in there. Don't do anything more than that. Anything more, comes, anything more than this comes from the evil one, Jesus says. And then I love this in Ephesians chapter 4, verse 15. Uh, Paul talks about speaking the truth in love. But did you notice when Chuck was reading this today, the first part of that passage was talking about how everybody has different gifts. Everybody has different strengths and that we need to discern those things. And then, also, then at the very end, Paul says we must no longer be children, but speaking the truth in love, we must grow up in every way. So part of maturity in the faith is learning how to say no. Learning how to disappoint people and to let others down of just saying no. Later he says, putting away falsehood, let us speak the truth. So the, most, the best opportunity that you have for speaking truth on a regular basis is saying no. Just saying what your experience is. So to be truthful to others, we have to 
know it for ourselves. And that's why I spent so much time talking about these different tools. And I really hope that they're helpful to you. Actually, Gina said it would be nice to have a rule of life class or something like this. And I, w- I would love to do that. But you know what it involves? Saying no to some other things. You see how this all works? Otherwise, I become overwhelmed because I'm, I've got too much on my plate, which is what we've been sorting through uh, in my relationship with uh, you guys as a church and me as your pastor. And the, the thing we have to reconcile is that we really can't avoid being asked. We can't avoid it. We're going to be asked for the rest of our lives, no matter what age you are. Jerry and Linda, I'm sorry, you're going to continue to be asked. You know? <laughs> Chuck and Marilyn, you're going to be asked. Garnan, you're going to be asked. You know, it's just going to happen. We can't avoid that. And if we say no to everything, we add overwhelm to the other people that we're in relationship with. So if it's in our family and we say no to everything, if I tell Gina that I'm not going to cook and I'm also not going to do the dishes, well, (laughs) our marriage is not going to, you know, 10 years, we'll say that was nice, but, (laughs) you know, but it's the same for your workplace. If you say no to everything, well, somebody's got to do that. And if you say no to everything in the church or you say, in our church we have, well, the young people should do that. And then the young people say, well, I don't have time to commit to that. So that puts the pressure and the overwhelm on the few who are saying yes. And it's true for anything you're connected with. You want your kids to be able to go to soccer or basketball or whatever, but nobody will be the coach? Well, now you're putting the overwhelm on somebody who says yes to everything. And they're probably overwhelmed. They're probably not in their best space either. And what I hope we can discover together is that if we can just be assertive and truthful, speak the truth in love, then we can at least keep ourselves from absorbing more guilt and shame and we can keep ourselves from being isolated or saying no to everything and we can actually uh, find meaning and purpose as we say yes to the right things and no to the wrong things. We have to have an idea, though, friends, of what we will say yes to so that we can say no and to say it with the guidance of Jesus and the Holy Spirit to speak the truth in love. Amen. Well, that was-